Welcome to the Women's Wisdom, Our Journey in Emergency Medicine podcast, a production of the Women in Emergency Medicine section of the American Academy of Emergency Medicine. Join Dr. Molly Estes as she's joined by prominent women in emergency medicine and other special guests. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our next episode of the Women in Emergency Medicine Women's Wisdom Podcast. My name is Molly Estes. I hail from Loma Linda University in Southern California, and today I have the pleasure to introduce to you all Dr. Liz Calhoun. Liz, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks so much for having me, Molly. So Liz and I work together a lot for different things in AAEM, um, not the least of which is the Women in Emergency Medicine section of AAEM. Uh, Liz, how did you first become involved in all of this? Well, like most of us, I got pulled in by Lois Swisher. <laughs> I was one of her residents. And before we'd even officially met, when I was a, f- a first year resident, she came to one of our um, residents journal club dinners and came up and started talking to me and I'm like who is this woman that I've literally never met before because we never worked with Lois until we were second years and within minutes she had encouraged me to run for the Delaware Valley AEM as the RSA representative and you know got me into the Philadelphia she emergency dinner the next week and like Lois does she just pulls you in assigns you a job and doesn't let you go. <laughs> so that's how I got started. From zero to a hundred and exactly swisher minutes. Yes. That is exactly it. Isn't it crazy how we meet certain mentors in our lives and it just all of a sudden happens like that? Yeah. And ever since then, Lois has gotten me involved. And so when these, um, when she became chair of the, what is now section, as we were transitioning from a committee to a section, she said, I need you, you're doing this. And <laughs> ever since then, I have been intimately involved with the women in EM section. That's so fantastic. I love to hear how everybody's story and their journey and especially the first little bit of time that we come out of our training and even during training, everything really does develop organically like that. I remember being a resident and having people tell me, oh, well, I didn't really have a plan on how I got here. It just kind of happened one hop, skip and a jump (laughs) at a time. And now I find myself saying the exact same thing. It's all about the people you meet and whose paths you cross with. And in Lois's case, I'm very happy that she kept up the connection because though I was one of Lois's residents, I also was not. Um, Oh, yes. Do tell (laughs) us about that part of your journey. Yeah. So unfortunately, if you've heard anything in the news in the past few years, you've probably heard me talk about this at CORD or interviewing for different magazines about this, but I was one of the 46 displaced residents from the EM program when Hahnemann closed in July of 2019. Um, It was hard for all of us and each year had an equally hard time whether you've been there for literally three days before the hospital closed or you were starting your third year. And, you know, very fortunately for all of us, we all got placed very easily and the whole EM community really stepped up. But it's tough and it's amazing how much it sort of resonated into the rest of my life. Well, and it's so funny to hear your words, you use the words like hard and tough, because I know that is the biggest understatement of this entire (laughs) podcast. That must've been devastating. It was, and it's, it's all, it's impossible to tell how much that it really impacted everything that's happened since then. It takes a lot of resilience to kind of be torn away from something that you 
were expected to have. You know, at the same time when I should have been looking for my first grown-up attending job, I was looking to make sure that I was going to finish residency. And, you know, all of us were. I didn't realize how much kind of resilience and self-care you need to get through something like that. I was a very fortunate. Um, I matched to Temple. Temple took myself and actually two other residents on. And, you know, the upside to all this is that now I have two resident families. And it's nice, you know, when you get here to AEM, since, you know, Temple always has such a large presence, you're like, oh, these are my people. But then I have, you know, my old people too. I hadn't, you know, I got two residency classes instead of one. So there's a big upside. Two reunion dinners instead of just one. <laughs> that sounds like a definite plus to me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we all need more people, but I love how you mentioned how it took a lot more self-care and resiliency than what you had anticipated. What, what was your path to realizing what self-care you did need and how did you go about finding that? Well, I found myself getting kind of sad and frustrated, you know, a lot of the things that I'd taken for granted, like, you know, being able to hang out with your friends at weekday conferences or knowing what everyone's schedule is. You can say, hey, let's all meet up after a shift. Um, When I realized that was gone, it was strikingly lonely, you know, Um, we were so used to doing everything with certain people and then you know, residency ends at some point and you, you lose that family anyway, but to lose it early, I realized that I missed a lot of the connections that I had and I had to put in a lot of effort into keeping them up. And I forgot how important it is to keep up with connections at all times. Um, and then just with the stress of being in a new and an uncomfortable environment, I didn't realize initially how, how much physical and emotional stress that was putting myself into, you know, at, um, at the Drexel Hahnemann program, we actually worked in one, two, three, we had four different hospitals. And when you were an intern, you worked at Hahnemann. And when you were a second and third year, you worked at Miz and Fitz. So, and they had different sets of attendings. So for the third year in a row, I'm going to a new set of hospitals, working with a new set of attendings. And a part of me is like, oh, well, this is just what I expect. This is what I'm used to, but the circumstances surrounding it were different. And the mental load that that of that stress that it put me under, I, I didn't realize it right away. It, well, w- it must've been exhausting feeling constantly like the new kid on the block. Yeah. And then going into a new attending hood too, that kind of carried over to that too, where all of a sudden I'm in new shoes again. And it made me realize how much I have to prioritize taking time for myself, um, taking days off. You know, one of the best things I ever did for myself sounds stupid, but I set aside a day where I answer all non-urgent emails. And if you got your email on a Wednesday and my day is Tuesday, then too bad. It's probably going to wait until next week if it's not emergent. Oh my gosh. I love that. I need to start doing that. (laughs) It took a long time for me to realize that small little changes like that were what was keeping me sane when everything is falling down around you and you don't have a lot of control. Sometimes controlling the little things can make your life so much easier. And it's important to realize that, especially with our busy schedules too, it sounds dumb, but one of the things that I've learned to do is to schedule myself a day off, which is probably testament that I'm living my life a little bit too busy, (laughs) but how many of us actually have a balanced life? Probably not many, Um, but 
being purposeful about prioritizing those things that you need in yourself actually becomes, like you said, very essential to continuing to function. And it takes a lot of self-awareness to realize exactly what is best for you and what you need to function, but it's important. And it may not be the same things that it was when you started. Um, I swore up and down when I left residency that I would never become a nocturnist. And guess what? (laughs) I'm going to half night starting in July. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, more power to you for that. In, in this process of trying to figure out how to help you help Mm -hmm. yourself, was there anybody around you or anybody involved as part of that process who, you know, assisted in that self-discovery? Well, I mean, a big shout out to my husband, who's always been my biggest supporter, but also, you know, all of your friends, you know, sometimes you just have to flat out ask them. And one of the things I found after I told everyone, like, oh, I'm, I'm taking a new job. They're like, good, your stress levels have been through the roof. It's like, why didn't you say anything? I think we're terrible at being each other's best friends and advocates, but everyone around you knows you very well. Ask them, say, am I happy? Do you think I could do something differently? It's really hard to kind of put yourself out there and ask, what is, what do you think about how I'm doing? Do I seem like I'm okay? Because the answers may surprise you. Ooh, I really like that. So do you think that I am happy? Do I seem happy to you? Wow. I, I think about that and I hesitate to think what some of my friends might answer based off of different periods of my life I've been through. Yeah. I, I kind of felt the same way. And now that I feel better about talking about it and saying, I'm not happy or this is upsetting to me, or this is not a great environment for me, or this was stressful. Talking about it takes away some of the burden. And I realized I could have had a better support network, one that I already had, if I just opened myself up just a tiny bit more outside of my comfort zone. Hmm. Well, and speaking of that slight transition (laughs) in your early training process, Um, as you mentioned, you're going into another life transition right now too. Tell us about that. Yeah. So I decided to take on a new job. Um, they say that what the statistic is pretty high. It's like 80% or something crazy like that. Don't quote me on that, but that most people do not stay at their first jobs. It's very true. And I love the people that I work with. I actually found some great new friends who I will keep with me for a very, very long time. But it wasn't the right environment for me. And admitting that and admitting that I needed to make some changes was really, really hard. You know, there's a lot of things that we think about when we take a job. What are the hours like? What are What is the money like? You know, what is the commute like? But I don't think we prioritize the right things enough. Um, and that's why I ended up taking a job that I, I would never take. I, <laughs> you know, I never want to be a nocturnist, but I'm going to actually back to, well, I'm taking Lois's job to be perfectly honest. (laughs) And, you know, if you know Lois, she's always, she's always been a nocturnist and she transitioned to being um, a part nocturnist. And with her new transition kind of came into mine. Um, It's at a hospital that I trained at and it's it's a lot of things I think are going to just make my life a little bit easier in a lot of ways, going to a place where I am familiar with the support structure, with the staff, just the little things that we don't think about, but make a big difference in your life. So how do you begin to weigh those 
pros and cons that go into a decision like that. So you said, mm-hmm. I never thought that I would want to be a nocturnist mm-hmm. and here I am actually signing on to a job mm-hmm. because there are other pros that outweigh maybe what some people would see as a con. How do you figure out what those priorities are for you? I, I would imagine it's a very personal individual process, but how did you go about doing it? You know, it's funny. And yeah, I talked about it with everyone that I knew. I had long discussions with my husband, with my best friends, with my current coworkers, with my old coworkers. You know, I talked to the other nocturnists on staff and said, how are we going to do the schedules? But what really made me realize that I was making the right decision was I made not a pro and con list, but I made a weird form of a rank list. Ooh, <laughs> tell me more about that. <laughs> so I, I sat down with one of my coworkers, Allah, and she's like, I don't think you want to leave and I'm going to prove to you why. And so we made a list of all things that you can, that I consider to be important, you know, we talked about, so finances, you know, which job pays better, which has better benefits, you know, commute, coworkers, support staff, you know, ease of scheduling. I currently do the schedule at my job. So I have zero complaints about that. God bless you. (laughs) It's a tough job, but I enjoy it. But we put together this whole list of every single thing that might be important to you when you're considering a job, you know, One of the things on the list was my husband. He's not that big of a fan of me being a nocturnist. And so that got taken into an account too. And we did it for both jobs. Hmm. And the list was the same, but what we did was we ranked what was important. You know, so at this job, what is the best part of it? You know, how does this rank over that? And if anything got the same rank, those numbers got crossed out. Got it. So for example, like money was if money was the most important, it would be ranked to number 10. And if it's the most important at both jobs, then they cancel each other out. And then we added up the columns of numbers and whichever had the higher score was the job that I took. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) And it's funny, it it ended up, it was close, but it made me realize just by sitting there and talking about it, what aspects of each job were important to me and made me talk about what is more important to me? Am I doing this for the schedule, for the money, for the commute, or for something intrinsic in the job, the people I'm going to work with, the bosses, the nursing staff, the, you know, um, the structure of the hospital, all the things that you have to think about, we put them into a list and it worked incredibly well. You know, if you want to publish that crazy math (laughs) equation, I think there'd be a lot of people out there interested in it. (laughs) We all do a common sense post on it. Hear that, Marianne Howie? We've got one common sense article coming your way. Yes. (laughs) Well, it's just incredible to hear that you, one, have the people around you that you were able to talk all this out with, that two, you had the self-awareness and the introspection to be able to figure out what is and is not important to you actually, you know, taking all of those subjective things and making them a lot more objective in the decision process. But then three, you also had the support structure, both at your new job and as well at your old job to be able to allow you to make the transition. I think oftentimes that's what psychs us out the most is thinking that, oh, well, somebody's going to be mad. I'm going to offend somebody. This is going to permanently burn bridges, blah, 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 blah. And we end up talking ourselves out of something that is actually, as you said, going to make life better for both you personally, as well as your longevity in the specialty itself. Yeah. I think a lot of times 
I mean, you're exactly right there. A lot of times we do things that maybe aren't in our best interest because we're afraid of not speaking up, of not saying the things that we need to, of not taking risks or afraid of angering somebody. But you have to please yourself first. You are going to piss people off. And as long as you have the self-awareness to know why you're doing it and is this what's best for you, you have to take care of yourself first. Man, and I don't think that we could end on a single better note than that. Well, I at least am extremely excited for you to be entering into this new transition of life and everything that it entails. You are still my hero for signing on for uh, any degree of nocturnal shifts. I cannot do that. All my close friends will attest to that. But the rest of everything, it sounds like you are going to be starting a new adventure. So congratulations. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me, Molly. It's been great. Um, To everybody listening, uh, it's been our pleasure to have Dr. Calhoun on with our podcast. Stay tuned for the next one coming out and you'll hear from us later. I hope you have enjoyed this podcast from the American Academy of Emergency Medicine. AAEM is a nonprofit professional association of over 8,000 emergency physicians dedicated to board certification and democratic group practice. For more information about AAEM, visit our website at www.aaem.org. Find all episodes of this podcast and our other podcast series on the AAEM website under resources and then publications. Join us again next episode for a new journey through emergency medicine.